Now, if you have your Bibles with you, paper, electronic, look with us to our passage found in the book of Jeremiah chapter 18. The book of Jeremiah chapter 18, we'll begin reading with verse 1. We're studying the life of Jeremiah this summer, and as I said every week, this is a very difficult book, uh, partly because of the, the, the message. The message is God is sending the Babylonians to destroy Judah, destroy Jerusalem, to destroy the temple, and take the people captive. If they do not repent, judgment is coming. And no one is listening. Jeremiah is preaching this, and they're not listening. In fact, they are, are, they, they're mad at Jeremiah. They arrest Jeremiah. They throw him in prison. They, 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 they uh, put him in stocks in the middle of the town. They do so many things to him, and he's just being faithful to God. But it's also difficult because it's not in chronological order. And so when you study the book of Jeremiah, it skips around. So last week, even though it was before chapter 18, the implication was that the people had already been surrounded by the Babylonians. Today, they haven't been surrounded yet. So it's kind of hard to do that. And third, it's, it's not topical. So it's kind of hard to figure that out. So this is one of those books you have to be very careful as you study. But today, we're going to be looking at a passage very familiar to many people. Found in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 18, beginning with verse 1. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will announce my words to you. And then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was making something on the wheel. But the vessel that he was making of clay was spoiled in the hands of the potter, so he remade it into another vessel, as it pleased the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Can I not, O house of Israel, deal with you as this potter does, declares the Lord? Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. At one moment I might speak concerning a nation or concerning a kingdom to uproot, to pull down, or destroy it. If the nation against which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent concerning the calamity I have planned to bring to it. Or in the other moment I might speak concerning a nation or concerning a kingdom to build up or to plant it. If it, does not, if it does evil in my sight by not obeying my voice, then I will think better of the good with which I had promised to bless it. So now then speak to the men of Judah and against the inhabitants of Jerusalem, saying, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I am fashioning calamity against you and devising a plan against you. O oh, turn back, each of you, from his evil way and reform your ways and your deeds. Let's pray. Father, today as we look at this passage, help us to understand this simple concept of who you are and who we are. Use this sermon today, Father. Use your word today to change us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Many years ago, early in our marriage, Eileen and I went to Pigeon Forge for vacation. On the Saturday morning, Eileen wanted to go pottery shopping, and she had a certain store in mind. And let me just say, next to Alabama football and eating fudge, there's nothing more I would like to do spending my Saturday morning at a pottery shop <laughs> on my vacation. Hashtag sarcastic. So I went, and I looked around the store. Now, boys and girls... This is before iPhones, iPods, iPads, Kindle. When you went someplace, you're stuck. It was the day of the dinosaurs. 
And so I looked around the store, and when I finished, I turned around, and Eileen was still at the first shelf. <laughs> and I realized I'm going to die here <laughs> of boredom. And in the back of the store, there was something going on. There was two ladies watching a man, and he was making a piece of pottery. And I'm thinking, a show. I can do shows. Let's go watch the show. And so I went back there, and this man really looked like he was from Central Casting. I mean, he had long hair, long beard, straw hat. He looked like he lived in the mountains. And he's at a potter's wheel making a vase. And I watched. A few moments later, the ladies that were with watching him walked away, and then it was just me and him. And, and he looked at me and said, do you have any questions? And I wanted to ask, where's the nearest bookstore? But I didn't. I asked, what makes a good potter? Without hesitation, he said, a good eye, a great touch, and a thorough understanding of the clay. He said, a good potter needs a good eye because he needs to see what's going to happen. He needs to see in his mind what he's trying to make. He needs to see it and to know what to do with the clay. He needs a great touch because if he touches it too hard, he's going to ruin the clay, ruin the, the process. If he touches it too light, nothing's going to happen. He has to have a great touch. Then he said he needs a, a thorough understanding of the clay because all clay is different. Even the same kind is different. Every time you work with clay, it's different, and you have to know the properties of the clay. You need to know the differences in the clay. The clay is to be molded into the shape that it was destined to be designed, and it's the potter's job to shape it based on the kind of clay it is. Then he started telling me about all the different kinds of clay. He talked to me about the speed of the wheel. He talked to me about the heat of the furnace, and I was fascinated. Eileen came over, and she said, are you ready to go? I said, are you kidding? we got to watch this guy. And so I made her watch the, the, this potter as he made this vase, this jar. I have never looked at Jeremiah 18 the same. There's something magical about a potter. It's the same techniques for thousands of years. In fact, you can go to YouTube and look at all the different ways, the ways they make the pottery. It's amazing. It's magical the way they just touch one, one place, and it changes everything. In our story, in our text, we find God calling Jeremiah to go into Jerusalem and watch a common potter. He says, I'm going to teach you something. Judgment is coming. Judah is going to be destroyed. Jerusalem is going to be destroyed. The people are going to be in exile and I'm going to teach you something from this potter and his work. So Jeremiah goes down. It's a very common sight, very, very common. It's just a potter and his wheel making a vessel. In our text today, we find out how God works in our lives. The text only has three main contributors, but each one is important. First of all, the master potter is God. The master potter is God. Jeremiah is watching, and he realizes this potter represents God. Now, there's a well-known hymn, Have Thou Known Way, Lord. And in that, that song, that hymn, it says, Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will, while I am waiting, yielded and still. Adelaide Pollard, who wrote that song, said it was based on this passage of the book of, of Jeremiah. It is an image found throughout the Bible. We see it in the Old Testament. We see it, Isaiah talking about it. We see it in the New Testament, the passage I just read a few moments ago, Romans and Paul's writing about it, that God is the potter. He is the one. 
I mean, everything is, revolves around him because even the wheel, he is controlling the wheel using the pedals. And he would spin the wheel based on what he wants to do. And Jeremiah is watching this potter as he's fashioning this piece of clay. He's watching the potter's finger glide along the slippery clay, shaping and molding, even with the slightest touch. The potter only had to touch with the tip of his finger against the clay, and something would be changed. And then all of a sudden, the, the, the vessel is marred. Now, later on, we find out it's not the potter's fault. It's the clay's fault. But the potter's in charge, and so what the potter does, he takes it, he squashes it, and he starts all over again. Jeremiah realizes this is a picture of our life. Our lives are as fragile as wet clay in the hands of the potter. We mess up. God has the ability to start all over with us. But it begins with the potter. There are similarities between the divine potter and the human potter. Both have absolute control over the clay. The human potter decides what he's going to make, and he makes what he has decided. It is his decision. The clay has no say in this. The divine potter is sovereign. God has the right and the authority and the power to do whatever he desires to do. God has the right and the power and the authority to take our lives and shape our lives, to probe our lives in any way he so wishes. God has the right the power, and the authority to touch us in any area of our lives. He has the right to take away anything and start over. He has the right to put us aside and use another piece of clay. He is sovereign. Now, if that bothers you, then you really really don't understand sovereignty. You do not understand who God is. God has the right to do whatever God wants to do because he is God, especially over his creation. And for God to use us, He must touch us. For God to use us, he will touch us in our lives so that we will be molded in the shape that he so desires. And we need to understand that there are areas in our lives where God will intervene, God will touch us to change us so that we'll be more like God. And he has that right. Oh, he may touch your finances. And it would be better to lose everything and be useful to God than to have everything and not be used of God. He may touch your relationships. It would be better to lose your friends in order to be useful to God than to have many friends surrounding you and not be used of God. He has the right to touch your health. It is better to lose your health in order to be useful to God than to have great health and not be used of God. He may touch your career. It would be better for you to lose your career in order to be useful to God than to be successful in the world's eyes and not be used of God. He may touch your talents. It would be better to lose your natural talents to be useful to God than to have all the talents in the world and not be useful to God. The sovereign God has the right to intervene in your life and my life in any way he so chooses. That's the potter. There was a young man from an impoverished background. And he dreamed of a better life. And he didn't want his family to grow up in his conditions when, when he was a child. And so he saved all he could, and, and he bought into a, a grocery startup. His partner was an alcoholic. 
his partner left, leaving him with all the debt. It took him over 10 years to pay it off. He called it the national debt. It was so bad. This man was an avid Shakespeare fan, and he would go around quoting Hamlet, there is a divinity that shapes our end and rough who them as we may. He lost the grocery store. So he decided to try law. Became a lawyer, then became a politician. In 1860, Abraham Lincoln became president. The question has always been asked, what would have happened if the grocery store had been successful? Would he have gone into law? Would he have become the president? Or is it possible the touch of God changed his life, changed our country, and changed the world? God is the potter. The second thing is the motion of the will is life. The motion of the will is life. As Jeremiah is watching the potter, the wheel is going round and round and round. Sometimes that wheel will go very slow. Sometimes it would speed up. Sometimes it would be very fast, like a tornado. The wheel represents life. It represents the circumstance of the life. Sometimes life goes slow. Sometimes life goes fast. Sometimes you feel like you no, have no control of anything. It just goes fast and fast and fast. And it's the potter who controls the wheel. Life, in essence, is God's pottery wheel in which you and I are being formed. God uses the circumstances of our lives to mold us and shape us for his kingdom work. Life, our daily life, is what God is using to form us in his image. And God, by his providence and by his sovereignty, can do whatever he so desires in the circumstances of our life. Now listen, this is not the will of fortune. This is not the will of fate. This is the will of faithfulness. The potter uses the wheel to form the clay in the same way that God is going to use circumstances in your life to form you. Our circumstances are what God uses to build us. And that's why Paul could say in the book of Romans chapter 8, when he says all things work together for good to them who serve God, he didn't say all things were good. That's impossible. But God can take anything in your life and turn it for his glory if you are in his will. And God will control the circumstances around us to make us as he desires. And by the way, that's how a sovereign God can allow us to have free will. Life is active. God controls the speed. God controls the circumstances. But we still have choices. And so God is working in us because he is the master potter. And the motion of the wheel is our life. We struggle with this, don't we? To realize that God is active all the time in our lives. You know what? A lot of people want to think, if everything's going well, then God's in my life. But if, everything, if anything's going bad, God is not there. That's not true. Whether it's good or bad, God is always there. God hasn't left the will. You see, we want to believe only good things come from God. But the reality is that God allows some things into our lives that we didn't expect. One preacher said it this way, too often we try to use God to change our circumstances while he is using our circumstances to change us. Do you know why golf balls have dimples? Welcome to my world. In the early days of golf, they were smooth. But then golfers decided something that, that they, when they used their the Old balls that, that have cracked and, and been have you know, uh, dirt on them, they, the ball would go further. 
And golfers are always trying to improve their game. So they wouldn't use new balls. They would always use the ones they've been using. And then they realized something. It has something to do with aerodynamics. And, and so what they discovered was it needs the dimples to go farther. And by the way, the average golf ball has 300 to 500 dimples. The average golf ball in America has 360. Thank you very much in case you're ever on Jeopardy. But the golf ball manufacturer determines how far the ball will go based on the number of dimples. Here's what they said. If it's smooth, it cannot go as far. And the same with us. If you have smooth sailing all the time, you will not survive the storm that's coming. If you have smooth sailing all the time, you're not going to endure the realities of life. And so God will bring circumstances in our lives to prepare us for what's coming. Remember the story? God is about to allow the Babylonians to come and destroy Judah and Jerusalem and the temple. God is about to use a pagan country to judge Judah. Do not be surprised when God uses a pagan evil world to judge us or to get our attention. Well, there's a third factor here. That's the clay. And the marred clay is us. The clay represents us. Now, that shouldn't surprise us. Throughout the Bible, it talks about us as clay or dust. Remember, the word Adam means dirt, dust. But this image of the clay is, has one purpose, and that is to yield to the touch of the potter. That's the only purpose of clay. The only purpose of the clay is to have the touch of the potter to change its form. Our job, the reality is that our reality is to let God use us and touch us. Remember, God controls the will. God controls the circumstances of our life. God is the one who touches us in those areas he wants to change. The clay must yield. For the clay to be formed in the pattern the potter wants, there are some things that have to be true. Number one, the clay must be free of impurities. The clay must be free of impurities. The potter will take the clay. And what he will do, he, he will rub the clay in his hand. He's, he's trying to feel if there's any pebbles or any, or any hard spots in there. If there are, he removes them. If the clay has impurities, it will not form. The Bible says our impurity is called sin. Proverbs 28 verse 14 says, Blessed is the one who fears the Lord always, but whoever hardens his heart will fall into calamity. God says we have impurities. We need to confess them to him. 1 John chapter 1 verse 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So God desires for our impurities to be gone. And so we need to confess our sins to God. The second thing that must happen, the clay must be pliable. It must be pliable. In other words, it must be able to be molded. It has to be soft. Because what happens with clay, if you don't use it, because of neglect, it becomes hard. It becomes dry. The clay has to be soft, moldable, pliable. God, in the past, in your life, in your spiritual life, it may have been soft and moldable and pliable, but yet now, because of neglect, your heart is hardened. You just go through the motions. And God really is struggling because God wants to use you. By the way, that's what's happened to Israel. Jeremiah chapter 18, that's what God tells them. He says, turn back each of you from his evil way, reform your ways and deeds. But they said, it is hopeless, for we are going to follow our own plans, and each of us will act according to the stubbornness of his evil heart. God says they have had a hardened heart. And the reason God couldn't do anything with the nation of Israel, the nation of Judah, because their heart was hardened. 
And they refuse to let God work in their lives. And by the way, when the clay is hardened, the potter has two choices. Number one, he could just set the clay aside. Sometimes he'll just take another piece of clay. You've heard me say that before. If a church is not doing the will of God, God will raise up another church in that community and God will bless that church. I've said it before for us. If, God is not, if you're not letting God use you, then God may rise up, raise somebody else and use them to do your, his work. Sometimes God would just move the clay aside. Or the second thing the potter can do, he will bring moisture into the clay. Makes sense, doesn't it? The clay is hard and, and dry. Well, just bring moisture. It means water. So how does God bring water into our lives? It's called storms. Storms. God brings storms into our lives to moisten us. You see, those are the storms that bring us closer to God, isn't it? The storms in life makes us pliable and moldable. We come to God because we are hurting. The storms in life helps us to return in repentance, and we are yielding to him. It is through the storms of life that God works in our lives the most, isn't it? One man said this, It was my sickness, not my health, that showed me he was a healer. It was my lack, not my abundance, that showed me he was the provider. It was my defeats, not my victories, that showed me he would fight my battles. God is about to send a storm to Judah, the Babylonians. He's going to conquer them. And God is going to soften them so that they will repent in the captivity. And then he's going to use the next generation to come back. God sometimes will send storms into our lives to get our attention, to make us pliable that God can use us. Third thing God can do, a potter can do, the clay can have no hidden air pockets. You see, the, the clay can be pure. But if you're not careful, there's air pockets in the clay while you're forming it. If that happens, when you put it in the furnace, it will explode. You don't see it, but the fire reveals it. Christians, sometimes we have air pockets in our lives. That's those sins we haven't confessed, those hidden sins. The sins of pride, the sin of greed, the sin of anger, the sins of addiction. We, we, we hide those. We, sometimes we don't even know they're there. And then God sends a fire in our lives, and it's revealed. Solomon said, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. What is the final fourth thing for the clay to do? The clay must be centered on the will. That's what the potter told me in Pigeon Forge. He said the clay has to be centered on the will. If not, it could spin off or... It will never be right. The clay has to be centered, dead centered, for it to work. Clay in the center of the wheel is ready to be fashioned. Clay in the center of the wheel can be used. Clay that's not centered in the wheel won't be fashionable. The center of the wheel is necessary. We need to be in the center of God's will for God to touch us and mold us, and make us. We must be in the center of God's will and focus upon God no matter what we experience so that God can work in us. It was Peter who said in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. What are you always talking about? The mighty hand of God, the potter's hand. He said the potter's hand is going to form you. Once the clay is centered, once the will is turning, 
Once the potter touches the clay, it works. As a violin yields to the bow, as a lock yields to the key, as a piano yields to the fingers of the pianist, so we must yield to the hands of the potter. But look at verse 4. But the vessel that he was making of clay was spoiled in the hand of the potter. Again, it's the clay, it's not the potter. Look what it says then. So he remade it into another vessel. He remade it into another vessel. I love that verse. It was marred. Couldn't be used. But the potter remade it. You know what that means? You may be here this morning, you may be online, you're thinking, I've messed up my life so bad, God can never use me. I have marred my life so bad. And God would say, no, you haven't. In the hands of the potter, I can remake you. I can reform you. That's what he's saying. He remade it. That's one of the best verses of Scripture. When we mess up, God can start over if we're in the center of his will. It was New Year's Day, 1929. Georgia Tech was playing University of California in the Rose Bowl. In that game, some of you may have heard the story, Roy Riggles recovered a fumble for California. Somehow he got turned around, started running 65 yards the wrong direction. <laughs> One of his teammates, Benny Lom, chased him down and tackled his own teammate so he, he wouldn't score for the other team. Well, a few plays later, they Tech blocked the kick, and they scored a safety. And it was halftime. Everybody wondered what the, the coach would say. Nibs Price brought the team in, told them the game plan. And then three minutes before they had to go out there, he said, the same starters are starting again. And they all left except Regal. Regal was sitting there, towel over his head, hadn't moved. He was just crying the whole halftime. And Price said, Roy, didn't you hear what I said? Same starter start the second half. And Regal said, I can't coach. I, I've embarrassed myself. I've embarrassed you. I've embarrassed the school. I cannot face those people. I can't go out there. And Coach Price put his arm around Roy and says, Roy, get up and go back. The game is only half over. They said that when Roy went back out there, he played like a madman. Best game he ever played. They also said his life was changed after that, of being restored, because he realized the coach still wanted him. Today, you may be here, you may be watching online, you think you've messed up. You think God can't use you. That's a lie from Satan. He can still use you. Because there's something we need to remember. Something we need to understand about our potter. He became clay. He became clay. And the next time the finger of the divine touches you, remember there is blood on that finger. Because our potter became clay, became flesh, and died on a cross for us. God was willing to become flesh, to live here on this planet and to die on a Roman cross so that we could have eternal life from God. So don't think you're beyond redemption. Because the master potter can still mold you would you allow that today 
If you're here this morning, you've never given your life to Christ. In a few moments, we'll begin singing. The ministers will be at the front. If you would just come to the front, talk to one of us. If you're online, if you would text the word today at 270-398-5005, and a minister will give you a call. Or maybe you're a believer. Maybe you've strayed away from God. Maybe you've drifted away from God. Maybe you realize because of neglect that your heart is hardened. The things of God doesn't excite you anymore. You realize today you can repent and God can start over. And you might need to make that decision publicly or privately, but we ask you that you make it. Would you stand and bow your heads? My Father, you're the sovereign God. You're our heavenly potter. Father, when you touch us, let us respond. Because, Father, we know you're trying to make us into your image to use us, to prepare us for your kingdom's work. And it begins, Father, by giving our life to you. And so, Father, by admitting that we're sinners, believing that Jesus died on the cross, confessing everything to you, we can come to you and find forgiveness. Father, for that person who's a believer, who's drifted away, Father, let them realize they're not too far away from you. They can come back and get in the center of the will, the center of your will. And Father, we pray that will happen today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.